Well, good afternoon to each one of you. Now, if I were Anthony, I would say, let's do that again. Good afternoon. afternoon. (laughs) Amen. Okay, Um, it has been an action-packed morning for me. I, um, wow, Ali, 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 Ali. I've been on those Haiti trails, brother, <laughs> with that donkey bringing my baggage off to some churches over the hills, and it's Ali Ali, Ali Ali, go, 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 go. <laughs> it has been an action packed uh, morning, and my adrenaline is, I, I, my heart is pumping. I uh, had a meeting with one of the young men from church about a month ago, and a young man that I appreciate a lot and, and, and one of the youth men in our, in our congregation and I, we were just talking about different things about visions and goals and practical life and all that and one of the things we talked about was his intense interest in, in, in volleyball. I don't know if you know what that is out here. I think you probably do. And uh, we're endeavoring to steer our young people perhaps... Um, away from just the intensity of all that and just play for the fun of it. It's a lot more fun to me. And I told him, I think I understand a little bit the adrenaline that comes into your, your heart when you enter onto the volleyball court. I feel the same way when I get behind the pulpit, I believe. But I do trust it's, uh, I do trust it's of the Lord. I do trust it's, it's of, the, of the Holy Spirit and not of the flesh. I believe that it is. Holy Spirit guided, and I, I often thank God for that. But it is an exciting time. It was an exciting morning. Brethren, I tell you, you filled my heart to overflowing, both of you. I don't know if you caught it when Brother Lowell was preaching. Caught a lot of things, but knocked that did I understand you right? Knock that T out. It's the name of the story. And you just went on to other things. And I don't know how many people caught that. And I almost didn't catch it. Knock that T out. Who can tell me what he was talking about? The title of that one story. Let me tell me. Knock that T out. Exactly. Take that T out of can't and make it can. I can do it. Wow. Amen. Um, the brethren that um, Brother Pete I think it was sent me the uh, schedule via email and not a whole lot of explanation with it and and I come to this one for Thursdays, and it's titled Discipling and Evangelizing. And um, I uh, pondered that a bit, and what is Brother Pete thinking on this subject? And I, I don't know why he did it, but in my mind, he had those words turned around, and evangelizing comes before um, you disciple uh, your converts. Tuesday morning, I was sitting in here in the, uh, in the uh, dining hall and listening to a devotion, and all of a sudden something clicked in my mind. And Brother Pete, you have to forgive me, 
if, if I'm still discerning wrong, and I know my wife back there, I know what she's thinking, why didn't you ask him? <laughs> I know she's thinking that right now. And perhaps it's for the same reason we don't stop at the gas stations and ask how we get to a certain place, though we drive past three or four of them. We're not lost, we just are not sure where we're at at the moment. <laughs> so, anyway, staff, have grace with me if I'm discerning wrong here. But the way we're going, the path we're going this afternoon is we're going to bring about a discipleship, discipling the church, preparing the church to evangelize. I don't know how I came to that conclusion that the staff was looking for that. Perhaps I'm off. I'm 90% I'm sure, that 95% sure, 80% sure maybe that I'm correct. I do believe that the Lord has given me something the other night. I'm, I'm quite certain it's of the Lord. Um, and so we're just going to move ahead, and I can be corrected later. I'm not wanting to look at the staff in case I'm, uh, I'm off track. <laughs> so here we go. The discipleship of the church preparing the church to evangelize. Okay, turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And before we do that, I... Uh, I just want to commend uh, our brother Aaron here for his devotional this morning. And not so much brother Aaron's devotional, but a few things that he said while, and the way he conducted himself while he was doing the devotional. And I find myself there many times, brother Aaron, um, and I don't know if you remember uh, the posture of your heart as you stood before us all and you had some trepidation in your heart as you were going to speak about this word knowledge and know. And I think in that one, one verse you had the word know in three different, uh, it, it was in the verse three times. And I remember you saying this, you saying this, that you hesitate to expound on the subject of this word because there's so much of it that you don't know. Remember saying that? There's so much of that word that you don't know. And I appreciated that. I'm often at the same place as I'm searching out truths in Scripture. But I also appreciate what came out of your heart about five or ten minutes later as you had moved along and giving the devotional. I just can't not say anything. I have to say something about this word, no. Something was burning in Brother Aaron's heart that he had to speak about that which he had learned, even though he had so much more to learn about this word, about this subject called knowledge. He had to speak out what he knew. Thank you, brother. May that burn in your heart for the rest of your life. Paul said at one place, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And there's always, the preacher can always say, Well, I really don't know enough about this subject. And we can always just, you know, and it's true. We don't. And, but 
we can say what we know, and iron sharpeneth iron all the time, all over the place. I just want to make that, I just wanted to make that commendation before we move ahead here. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to read this in unison again today. And I want us to grasp the, uh, not the brevity, but the gravity of this verse, the gravity of this verse. We could read all four, five, six verses there, but I think we'll just, just read verse 1 at this point in time. I know it was read this morning also uh, by Brother Lowell as well. So is everybody ready? Bible's open. Chapter 4, verse 1. All together. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. The vocation wherewith ye are called. What is that vocation? wherewith ye are called. And that's some, something we want to talk about a little bit here this morning. I mean, here from last night, we had on this board, chosen and ordained to bear fruit. Now, is there anybody in this room that has not been chosen and ordained to bear fruit? I don't think so. God's people are chosen and ordained to bear fruit. We could say that's a general uh, calling upon the heart uh, of Every man. My dear wife put this on the board this morning. Lord, prepare me to be a missionary, pure and holy, tried and true. And before we move any further, and we're not going to do it, but how do you define in your heart this word? Is that a person that goes abroad and he uh, is back speaking with some heathen somewhere about the necessity of coming to Christ? Certainly it is. Is that all that it is? How about those of you that are being faithful in your calling, the calling of your vocation in the place that God has called you in Washington or Ohio or wherever you are? Never forgetting that we're all chosen and ordained to bear fruit. But a, but a missionary is a missionary wherever he lives at the present time. Somebody has once said, and I think he's rightly said, that you are else a missionary. Somebody want to finish it to me for me? Or a mission field. Every one of us in this room are else a missionary or a mission field. You can write that down and remember that. So, I already explained my own dilemma. I think I got past that one. We knocked the T out of can't. I can. And we read the verse that we are desiring to be worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Now we want to talk about discipleship. Discipling the believer, preparing him for the furtherance of God's kingdom. Can I just say that? Say it that way. Discipling him, preparing him for the furtherance of God's kingdom. The question is sometimes asked, to myself, I don't know if the rest of the 
people hear this at times as well or not. But the question is sometimes asked, why don't we have a discipleship program at church? Maybe some of you do have a particular program that's called a discipleship program at your local congregation. I don't know if you do or not. 1 Corinthians 12.5 says that there are differences of administrations, but of the same spirit. And so there's always a place for a particular place of discipleship, maybe even to disciple a few people in a certain direction or whatever. I mean, certainly there's liberty given and there's many different, many different uh, ways that we can disciple. I'd like to rather zero in on this fact on this point, and Brother Lowell, you'll have to forgive me if I get over into your pasture for tomorrow too much this afternoon. I just want to say this, the local church is the discipleship program for you. Are you okay with that? The local church is the discipleship program for you. So I fear many times God's people are in the mode of, of doing church and they do church rather than being church. Understand what I'm saying. We'll go to church in the morning. We'll sit through the sermon. We'll sing some songs. We'll meet a few people. We go home and we eat our, eat our Sunday dinner. Maybe we even have company over. And somebody pops out the question, why doesn't the church have a discipleship program? It would be so good. And a sermon was preached that morning that was meant to disciple the church. And a Bible study was held that was meant to disciple the church. And we miss it because we're just doing church instead of being church. So the church itself is a discipleship program. Let's establish that right at the beginning here. And then we'd like to move on. And I'd, I'd like to ask... Every one of you, the question, especially the students, have you ever done a study? The Bible has much to say about what we are to be to one another as believers in the church of God. For instance, John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye, if ye have love one toward another. Now I want to ask, ask you the question, please raise your hand if you have. Have you ever just taken out um, a, a concordance and just pulled together all the one another verses in the Bible and studied the, that out, that subject, Brother Lowell has? Thank you brothers in the back here have. Amen. It's a very, 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 very healthy exercise. And we're going to do a little bit of that this, this afternoon. It's of, um, it's of um, the, the one verse that we read, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one toward another. And I, I would say that that's a paramount verse in the one another verses. As others are looking on toward us, this is the way that they will know that you are the church. That you are the church. 
if you have love one towards each other. There's many people that are evaluating and they're watching. This is the way they will know. But here's some other ones, many other ones. Have your notebooks out and pens out and you can write the references down and look them up in your devotions time or whenever or you can do a study yourself sometime. These are probably not all of them but there are many of them. Romans 12.5 First of all, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members somebody say it one of another. John 13 has the scripture there concerning washing one another's, guess what? Feet, of all things. Washing one another's feet. Wow. Maybe you don't practice that in the GBs. I don't know if you do or not. I guess I guessed you probably did. Okay, so you know all about what I'm talking about. Jesus said, happy are ye if you do them. Praise the Lord. 13.34, we already have had that one, love one another. Romans 12.10, prefer one another. The same thought is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. In lowliness of mind, we are to esteem each other better than ourselves. Keeping in mind that the church is the discipleship program preparing us for the vocation wherewith we are called. Romans 14, 19, edify one another. Wow, how do you do that? 15, 5 in Romans, be like-minded one toward another. Is that ever a challenge for you all? Maybe not. Be like-minded one toward another. Tarry. Wait for one another. I'm not sure how many stories to tell in this one. I guess I'll, I'll just tell one. Olympics. You're familiar with the Olympics. You, the, uh, the, the, the men that train for the, for, for the race, for, for, the, for the long race. They train. They, they discipline themselves. They they exercise for days, and the, they, 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 the muscles are just built up for, this, for what they need to endure uh, this long race. And they know that if they win that race, guess what's going to hang around their neck? A gold medal. And they're going to be smiling, and they're going to be the hero of the day. I want to take you to Louisiana. I'm not sure which year it was. Special Olympics was held there. Anybody know what the Special Olympics are? The handicapped children. And so they had a race for the Down Syndrome boys. About a dozen to 16 of them lined up. Down Syndrome boys. And Are you all familiar with Down Syndrome children? We have about at least three friends that God has blessed them with a Down Syndrome child. And so we're very familiar with, with Down Syndrome children. And so these, these 10 or these 12, 16 boys line up at the, at, at, at the, at the line to start off on their, their, their dash down across the, the racetrack to get down to the other end, looking at each other and smiling how they do, you know, and 
and the gun goes off, and off they go, you know, and they just start running, and the one falls in the dirt, and, and they all stop, and they all help this one, and they, they brush his pants off, and they laugh, and they gather around him, and pat him on the head, pat him on the back, and then they all start off again. Oh, it's great. And they're halfway down the track, another one falls. And they all look around, and they, they all stop, and they all come back, and they all help him, they brush him off, and, 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 and uh, then they go again. And three-quarter ways down, it happens again. And, and they get down to the finish line all together, and they're all happy, and they're all laughing. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> you know how they do. And it's just the way just had a ball, you know. <laughs> and they all got there at the same time. <laughs> well, I see, well, who has the special needs in this world? I tell you what. <laughs> Parry one for another. Parry one for another, brethren, sisters. Parry one for another. This is not a. This is not a discipleship program where we're all trying to get there first. Trying to bring as many along as we can. And get there together. Tarry one for another. Have the same care one for another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians 16.20. I think it was in Thessalonians also this morning. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And In the prayer meeting, we, the other day we talked about this one a little bit. You know... Every one of us has to have. Every one of us has the responsibility to ensure that that greeting of that holy kiss is holy, and then greet with a holy kiss. And if the kiss is not holy, there's a place where you can go to be washed, cleansed, purified, and you can come to church with a holy kiss. Greet one another, young ladies, young men, older men, women, with a, with a, with a holy kiss. Not a, not a kiss of pretense. This is a discipleship program preparing us for the vocation where which we are called. Serve one another. Some of you do very, very well in that. Galatians chapter 5, 13, serve one another. Chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, forbearing with one another. Forbearing with one another. 4.32, be kind one to another. And forgive one another. Colossians 3.16, admonish one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, comfort one another. Hebrews 10.25, exhorting one another. James 5.16, confess your faults one to another. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, have compassion one toward another. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, use hospitality one toward another. And then chapter 5, verse 5, it's a pretty big one. Be subject one toward another. And when you are finished with that list, not just writing it on paper, not just praying about it, 
But when you're finished practicing that list, then ask yourself, young ladies, young men, when you're finished practicing that list of one anothering, then ask yourself if you still need a discipleship program, specifically apart from the local church. Pray about this list. Consider whether you are walking in this list. I'm not necessarily encouraging you to go home now to your local church and start admonishing one another right away. Please. These one anotherings are simply a recipe to be put in a bowl and all mixed together, okay? Consider them all together and then served out. So be careful with that. There is a possibility, and if it's in any of your minds, I would like to ask forgiveness for this. There is a possibility that in some of your minds, the church is some austere, magnificent unit that you can only look in at afraid to open up your heart lest you might be condemned. There is that possibility. Catholicism has its cathedrals. It has its statues. It has its icons. It has its magnificent um, just Churches and buildings and stained glass windows and all those things. And we say that's wrong. But sometimes Mennonitism, Charityites, most likely not the GBs, but maybe. Maybe. We can put together a structure. We can put together a system. We can put together some austere um, unit of, of people that the hurting one has a problem being a part of because everybody else is okay. I'm sorry about that. And I would like the, that cathedral to come crashing down. If that cathedral's in your mind, I would like it to come crashing down. And I would like to just be one of you. I would just like you to know, you already know I'm very imperfect by watching me the last couple of days. <clears throat> I wonder, dear young people, how you would administrate the local church if it were in your hands to do so. We had a precious privilege, my wife and I did, in 2017, a year ago in February, of traveling through South Africa with a choir, even though, yeah, my gifts are where they are, but 
we were asked to go along with this choir, my wife and I, of about 18 young people. They needed a chaperone. They didn't really need a chaperone. They were probably almost as mature as you young people are. They were quite mature, and they didn't really need us, but they needed us just for the... They just needed us. Just so, I don't know, just so everybody's comfortable with everything. Okay, you understand. They didn't need us, but they needed us. Okay, so we went along. But in traveling with them, we got to know them very well. And um, <laughs> we got to sit in, in the you know, evenings and snack times and around the fireplace and just lots of, we, we traveled to various different churches, schools, places. So they sang and they let me do some preaching every once in a while. And <laughs> it was so interesting the top, where the topic of their conversations went. And every once in a while I went to courtship and some of those things. But most times it was revolving around church. It seemed like there was a lot of hurting young people from, from churches that they, were, they're from, that they were out of. And so it's, it, it's centered a lot around that. And, and, and sometimes they would be talking about how they would administrate church if they were the church leaders. And it got to be so interesting. Many times Nelaine and I were watching in from outside, but we got so engaged in this that we started enjoying this and we actually became a part of it. And we became just kind of with them. And one night they almost had an ordination, believe it or not. And they, (laughs) (laughs) talking about having an ordination, they never got to it, but they were thinking maybe they should ordain one of their young men to, uh, to lead their, you know, to lead their, this group that they're this. It was good. It was a good thing. But then I asked the question, what if we, think about it, what if we, in this room, would be a local church for the next 10 years? We're having a grand time this week. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it tremendously. And I think you are too. You, I, see, I, I see your smiles and everything. But what if we... We're the local church for the next 10 years. Would there need to be some forbearance? Would there need to be some admonition? Would there need to be some exhorting? Brother Lowell, I so appreciate it. I want to take that home with me. Loving one another in spite of. Loving one another not because of what they do for me, but loving the other person. How did you say it, brother? Although. Although. Loving the other person, although, although they've... Brother Lowell already had to practice forbearance this week and and I think we all would we would be in a discipleship program with each other endeavoring to be a a um, a unit of of people that would love one another and that would uh, that would work together in harmony and that would have the same vision and have the same interests and 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 
this would all be for one reason, for the glory of God, and that we might be able to bear fruit and be a missionary wherever God has called us to be. I looked just a little bit about Lowell's forbearance with us. Thank you, Brother Lowell. He was getting his coffee out here in the coffee machine the other day, and he had set his cup in there, and, and then he had turned around and was talking to another brother, and my dear wife comes in there and just takes his coffee and walks out the door. <laughs> and as she's doing it, she's taking a sip of his coffee, and, and he watched it all happen, and he just turned around to get his coffee, and there she goes. I mean, brother, that takes forbearance. I thanked him later for being so kind to my... <laughs> I just, I want to cover for my wife. She really thought it was hers. I mean, she, I don't know how or why or... It, that sounds like something I would do, but it does not sound like something she would do. She thought it was hers, and she's... <laughs> Forbearance. But you know, it's really a good question. We are enjoying each other so much, and every one of you is going to go back to your local congregation, and I plead with you, you appreciate your local congregation. Because if we were here for 10 years, and we would be a local congregation for 10 years, we would have some things to work through. Understand? We're not as perfect as we appear to be for one week. (laughs) Not at all. Far from it. So give yourself to discipleship. It would be a process um, if we were to endeavor to uh, build the local church out of what we have here. The same as, as it is a process at home in your local church. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 has this verse for us. Let this mind... This is so so interesting to me. The other day when we were speaking of suffering, we had talked about arming ourselves with the same mind as Christ. Remember that? Scripture, and he that hath suffered has ceased from sin. Arming ourselves with the same mind as Christ. Well, here again we have the mind of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation, but took upon himself the form of a... Thank you. You know your Bibles. The form of a servant. I want to encourage you to give yourself to the discipleship program of the local church. Just give yourself to it. There may be a place for every one of you to practice admonition to a young lady in church that, you know, you see some vanity coming out of her life and perhaps you feel the need to just help her along a little bit. That's well and good. There's always the possibility for every one of us that we are in need of admonition. Everybody agreed with that? So our heart always needs to be open to that as well. Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation. Did you know that 
entering into this discipleship program of the local church, when you, this sanctification process, when you come out of that sanctifying process that God wants to do, you may very well be unrecognizable to what you were when you entered in. And there's many a person that can't handle that. There's many a person that will run away from that, but not you. I think better of you, my dear young people. You will give yourself wholeheartedly to the discipleship program, which is the local church. I want to give you a picture, and this is a bit crude, and it's not original with me, and you may recognize it, but it, it's, it's an illustration, it's a good illustration. Consider a baked potato. Consider a baked potato that's taken and wrapped in tin foil and put in the oven, and the heat is turned up to 350 400 degrees. By the way, you are the potato, if you haven't gotten that yet. It's crude, I know, but you'll learn something from it. You put this potato in the oven and the heat is turned up to 40, 40, 350, 400 degrees. Remember, you're entering into the discipleship of the local church. It's baked for half an hour to an hour, I don't know how long it takes, and it's taken out of the oven it's set on a plate, the foil is peeled back, and a sharp knife comes and cuts right down through the middle. The potato is spread apart so the butter can be put inside there. And it's served on a platter, and these big white teeth come crunching down. <laughs> Just mashing the potato to pieces. These pieces of this potato go down this long chute. And they plop into a pool of many other things. Bear with me. It's, it gets good at the very end. It, it plops into this big pool. And, and there these pieces are swimming around. Guess what? There's acid in that. And this acid is working on these pieces of potato. And it's just disintegrating them to where that potato is unrecognizable. Whatever is waste in that potato is waste and will go to waste. And whatever is good in that potato will go for the edifying of the body. I told you it's a beautiful illustration in the end. Boy, does it hurt. It can hurt. It can be excruciatingly hard for some people. Many will run. Many will not go through that program. Many cannot handle it. But those who can, oh, those who can, they will, praise the Lord, they will bear fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. What did Jesus say? Hundredfold. Hundredfold. They will bear fruit. They will be this missionary. It doesn't matter if you send them to Africa, if you send them to Haiti, you send them to 
Indonesia, where you send them. It doesn't matter if they're at home. They will be a missionary. They have been through the process. Every believer gives himself to this sanctification process of the local church. Giving to each other, also receiving uh, from each other. We invite these one anotherings into our lives. We embrace them. I, I would invite you to go home and do a study. I think there was one or two hands that went up. But I would invite you to go home and do a study on these one anotherings. And then put them all in a bowl and mix them together. And then practice, practice, practice with your local body. One thing you dare not do is point fingers. You know the, the uh, fasting scripture there in 58. Put away from you the pointing of the finger. One thing you may not do is point the finger. Just practice. If everyone were to practice what God has in mind for the discipleship program in the local church, guess what a beautiful church we would all have. But for a lot of us, we haven't put away the pointing of the finger. And Lord, help us in that. I, you know, Lord, help me in that as well. So God bless you as you endeavor to, uh, to do that. These one another in scriptures. I just uh, one other one other thought that I wanna that I wanna just that I wanna just uh, that I just want to uh, just put out on the table here. It is very interesting to me that these one another in scriptures are all given to the local church. Okay, they're not they're not necessarily given to the people in Seattle. You know, those people need to be converted and come into the church. So, if the one another in scriptures are given to the local church, why do we expect the local church to be perfect? In our estimation of what is perfect is what I'm saying. In other words, if, if, if the local church were perfect, there would be no need for exhortation, right? If the local church were perfect, then there would be no need for admonishment, right? If the local church were perfect, there would be no need of forbearing, with one another. All of a sudden it makes sense. It's okay. It's okay that other people have faults. I don't have to critique them right and left and every day. If we were all perfect, which we are this week almost, except for the coffee experience, I think. But if we were all perfect this week, there would be no need to forgive each other. Yet one of the one another in scriptures is forgive one another. Forgive one another. Evidently somebody was offended because somebody needed to be forgiven. So just keep that in mind. And ask yourself the question, what is God's perspective of a perfect heart? I wonder if God's perspective of a perfect heart is not a willingness to practice these one another in scriptures amongst us all the time with a ready and open heart uh, to each other.
each of us, including myself, we are all on the road called sanctification. Amen? We are all on that road uh, called sanctification. I'm going to, to stop right there. I promised myself I'm not going to go over my time today. And, uh, and uh, I just have one piece of advice for you as you go evangelizing. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. Tomorrow's title or session that was given to me is serving and giving and will include some evangelizing practical methods in there perhaps if the Lord allows time. There's many other things we want to talk about as well but just one piece of advice for today. You know, I don't know why it is this way, but we can sometimes feel intimidated. I want to tell you, I just want to tell you this. You have available to everyone the most valuable treasure on the face of this earth. Do you believe that? That is right in your heart, desiring to come out of your mouth. How does that make you feel? Wow. Who needs this treasure? Everyone that doesn't know about it. You have the ability to share it with them. (laughs) That's big. That's exciting. That's amazing. That is, that totally gets me, uh, it should get every one of us excited. And prayerful, of course. Prayerful that we not offend in our excitement. Okay? There's a room for carefulness. God bless you all as so you go this afternoon, but not this afternoon. My, my, my objective for today and tomorrow in, ser- in teaching, serving, and giving, and discipling, and evangelizing is not to teach you to go to a city and, and uh, teach you some, some, some ways to talk to people. I, my, per- my objective is rather, I would desire to put something in every one of your hearts that you could take home with you, that you will be a missionary for the rest of your life, wherever God has called you to be, at whatever time in your life there is. And I just want that to be planted as a seed in your heart, and I know it probably already has been. I just want to nurture that, and I want to encourage that, and I want you to be all that God has called you to be, and to be worthy of that vocation wherewith He hath called you. Whatever specific detail that is, I don't know. And it's going to vary for every one of you. But may God use you in one capacity or another to bear fruit. Praise the Lord.